And because, you know, the Lord is faithful. And every, it's like every Sunday, something always goes down because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to, 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 tr to try to change our hearts and our minds and deter us from worshiping God. So we're not going to let that stop us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Uh, gracious Father, we thank you, Father, because you're the God of promises. Lord, we know that your word says in Malachi 3, Lord, that you're an unchanging God. And so we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that your, your mercy and your grace was not just displayed on the cross of Calvary. But it was displayed long ago, Lord, because it's in your nature to be merciful and kind. And the God whom we serve is a living God. Amen. So this day we call upon you, Lord God, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds, oh God, to receive your word. That the word that we receive this day would not be a word that we take in and let it go out one ear or the other, Lord. But we pray that your Holy Spirit would bring understanding to your word. And that your Holy Spirit would bring repentance and conviction to our heart. That we'd be transformed by the renewing of our mind, set upon the promises of Christ. That we would not leave the same people here, O oh God. That we would be reminded that today, 2017, is the last day of the year. But tomorrow is the new beginning of a new year. Because you are a God who doesn't abandon his children. So we thank you, Lord, for 2018 and the hopes and the promises that come with it, Lord. That you are faithful. Today, tomorrow, and every single day after. Thank you for your kindness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we've been going through the sermon series called God With Us, uh, we learn about God's presence. We learn about his purpose, why Christ came to die for us. We learn about the power of Christ. And last week we saw the propitiation of Jesus bearing the wrath that we should have borne. But he bears that wrath for us. And this week's sermon title is called His People. So as I was preparing this week's sermon, I said, you know, what's a good scripture that really reflects what Jesus has done to rescue his people? And honestly, I couldn't come up with a good one because you know why? The whole entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is one single story that points to God redeeming people who are broken. Amen. It's about God's active pursuit in light of people's disobedience and rebellion, when God set his love and his mercy upon the people of Israel, there was nothing loving and kind, and kind about them that would make them stand out as awesome people. But his active pursuit. So if you could turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. We'll go ahead and get started. And as you're turning there, this is what I want to talk about. This year, I want you to think about all the lows that you've had. All the broken moments where you feel that God abandoned you, where you feel that you were done, where you feel that you were depressed, that you felt that, man, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I've had those moments. Or am I the only one that had those moments this year? This tired. Sick and tired and sick and tired. And, and I want us to, to slightly redirect our focus and think about all the highs we have. Think about how God delivered you from that one thing that you were praying for and the Lord gave it to you. Think about how the Lord has shown his mercy to you by waking up every single day. Because his mercies are new every single day. Think about the highs. Think about the brokenness. 
Think about the people that you've lost this year. Loved ones, maybe. And what I want us to do is I want to redirect our focus again slightly again. Not to who we are, but to whose we are. Man. To whose we are. And this active pursuit of God after his people, as we're going to read right now in Jeremiah, the people of Israel in bondage and captivity, they were disobedient again. And they continue to be disobedient again and again and again and again. It's in their nature. Let's see what Jeremiah tells the people of Israel. He gives them a hope and a promise. This is what he says. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband. Look at the language she's using. Declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those, after those days, declares the Lord. Listen to this. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall what? Be my people. Amen. This is after they've been rebellious to God and broke his promises. He gives them a new word, a new promise, a new covenant. And this is what I love about the Lord. People are, are, are sometimes fearful to read the Old Testament. But did you know in the Old Testament that the mercy of God and, and his grace is so much more evident in the Old Testament than in the New Testament? We just see it all come to completion on the cross of Calvary. But when you look at the, this, the beautiful work of the Old Testament, and how God inspired that. Then turn with me one more time to third, uh, Ezekiel 34, verse 11. Look how, look how, look how God himself, called, what he calls himself and what he's going to do. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11. And it's up here to my left. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day of cloud and thick darkness. You know, I'm reminded of Calvary's Hill when I read that yesterday. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines. In all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the stray and I will bind up the injured man. Hallelujah for that. That is beautiful. And I will strengthen the weak and the fat 
and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. When we read Ezekiel 34, we're seeing still the active pursuit of God after his people. Now watch this. What we read is about a shepherd. And we know Jesus is our good shepherd. So Jesus will and has come to seek us when he came down from his throne. I mean, his glorious throne to this earth. He came to rescue us as we always talk about. He's come to gather us because we were once scattered. Now he's gathered us and he's come to feed us. And that leads me to my first point of today's sermon is that we are God's possession. No clearly do we see this in scripture than we do see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Because what it means to be God's people, his people, it means that we are his possession. To think about somebody buying something, that's the, the word we see in 1 Corinthians, someone being bought. When Christ died for us on the cross of Calvary, he bought us with his blood. Whenever you can get a chance to just read the book of Leviticus, it's a hard read for some people, but man, you will have a worship service. When you see how God sets up this system to sacrifice all these animals because of the sins of the people, and these animals need to be spotless and blameless. And what we see is Jesus being our lamb, the lamb of God, worthy to be slain. He dies for us. He bought us with his precious blood. And that's why, because we're his possession, we're called to live crucified lives. Turn with me to Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Because we have been bought, we have been purchased, it's not about us. See, 2017, I think we focused on a little bit of us too much. And here in America, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. It's always about what you can do to be more successful. And we look at our achievements and our accolades and say, you know what? I got that job promotion. I got that job promotion. I'm making that money now. I got that car that I've always wanted. I got that house, I got this, I got that. It becomes about things and possessions and we think about us. But Galatians 2.20 says, I, put your name in there, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God. For what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. But 2017 closing, 2018, 
Let our hearts be reminded that we're God's people, we're his possession, blood bought, so that we would live crucified lives. I was reading an article today, somebody posted from the TGC about being comfortable Christian. And I thought it was a funny article as I read it. And TGC is a great site called, it's called Together for the Gospel. It's a great, great, great Facebook feed. But it talks about comfortable Christianity. And that's exactly what we have in America. Christianity can be only okay if it's, if it's comfortable enough. And in there, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis that says, when you come to Christianity, I'm going to jack this all up. When you come to Christianity, it's not easy. It's not comfortable. I can find, he said, I can find comfort in a bottle of pork, which is liquor. Like, I can find comfort in that. But he's like, if you want to come to Jesus, you're not going to find comfort. Living a crucified life means living a sacrificial life of Christ. It's not easy. I mean, we look at the life of Christ and life he lived, led him to the cross. He didn't have a place to lay down his own head. And this is what I want us to leave with people. My brothers, my sisters, my family, listen to me. We can live crucified lives. Not by our own strength. I promise you, I've tried it. And I, and I, and I, and I, I feel on that like all the time, and the Lord reminds me slowly, and sometimes real quickly, that I'm trusting in my own self, and my own goodness, and my own works. But the reminder that I have is I'm called to live a crucified life because I'm no longer mine. You are no longer yours. You have been bought, purchased with the blood of Christ. And you know what that purchase, what that does, it produces in us a passion. Not a, man, I gotta do it, but a passion to do good works. You know, recently we've been showing up videos and slides of all the things we've been doing with Friends of Northside. And, and, and you know what's interesting about what Friends of Northside has brought is they brought tools in showing us how to reach our community. And so Queruso Grace has been here for several years. And we've been a presence in the community and we've done things in the community. But now when someone comes alongside us and they say, hey, look, this is things you can do better to reach your community, to reach and seek those and save those that are lost. It's a gospel. One family member um, that we reached recently, Mrs. Cortez, which we saw in a video of her house, she recently this week got her house completed. Her house was completely dilapidated. I mean, it was bad. And this week we were able with friends in Northside to get one room in our house completed, completely redone to where she actually has a heater and she has her walls up. She actually has floors. Like before, literally, there was holes in her floor. Brother Joe would tell you that. And other brothers that served that day will tell you that. Brother Juan, they saw that house. The house is bad. But when you can be present in somebody's life, where God has created an opportunity for you to serve, not only to serve, but to create relationships and express the love of Christ in tangible ways, for the first time, you're living out your faith by doing something, good works, not to earn your relationship with God, but to glorify God. Turn with me to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. 
Watch this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now, I'm going to say this real quick. We do understand, or maybe we don't, that not all people are God's people. Not everybody is a child of God. Okay? Scripture clearly teaches not everybody is a child of God. So what is saying all people, he's referring to all followers of Christ here. Because by faith we become children. Not because of something we do. Salvation for all people. Watch us. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the future age? No, in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Watch this. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. My second point, Jesus produces a passion in us for good works. You cannot produce good works in yourself as a follower of Christ. Jesus produces in us a passion to do good works. Because see, what I don't want us to, to, to walk away is this, this, this skewed view, this twisted view that we have to do something in order to be in God's presence and his loving grace. It's been finished at the cross of Calvary. But the reason why we're, why we're here, while we gather as brothers and sisters, is to be encouraged that your life means something. That your life is being used by God to go out into everyday world and proclaim his excellencies, his promise, his hope, his grace, his mercy, his active pursuit of people who are in disobedience. That God would want them to turn from their sin and turn to a living God. God is using you as that vessel. And if you're a vessel of God, a disciple of Christ, he calls us to renounce ungodliness. And I'm going to tell you something. It's a crucifixion. It's painful. I will tell you. Giving up the sin that you so want to hold on to and you don't want people to know about what you're doing is exactly where the enemy wants you to keep you enslaved to your sin, to keep you in bondage. But what Christ has done is so much better to set us free. When we do good works, people like Ms. Cortez, they get helped. They see the love of Christ. We get joy when we serve and help out others. It's easy to help out people who can help themselves. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I've done a lot of serving, and I don't say that in a boastful way. I say that I've seen a lot of people be very ungrateful. I'll tell you, and that, that trips me out. But you know what? We're the same exact way with God's mercy and grace. 
We take for granted his, his mercy and grace. Lord, forgive me. Lord, give me grace. But then we turn around and we don't even show it to other people. Right? We're just ungrateful like they are. We're just as guilty, family. But today, we can be reminded, you know what? To bear with them. Because we were once lost and unable to. And now we go and we share that same love, patience with other people. And the reason why we do it is to glorify God. Look at Matthew 5, 16. You can look at that screen. I think it is for you guys. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When people see what you're doing for God's glory, you know what it opens up the door? And it happens all the time. Hey Amen. Why, why do you guys do that? Why would you guys spend $10,000 on repairing that lady's house for? Like, why? I know you guys are not in profit, but why? Well, let me tell you why, bro. Is that Jesus was rich and became poor for us. And he gave up his, 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 his heavenly throne to come down to serve us. But we didn't deserve it. Those moments and those times, they open up conversations to glorify God when we do good works. It's not for ourselves to bring glory. Be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm doing good things for Jesus. I feel good. I got my selfie. And I, I like taking selfies. I got my selfie. Y'all know me. I got my selfie. Walk away. Put on my Facebook, on my IG, or wherever, Snapchat, whatever you got nowadays. You know? Walk away. It's not about that. It's about bringing glory and honor to our Father. That's what it's about. That leads me to my next point is that because Jesus has come to make us his people, what he's come to do also, he's come to gather all sheep from around the world. Jesus has come to gather all his sheep. And look at what Jesus says about himself. Turn with me in John chapter 10, verse 14. John chapter 10, verse 14. Jesus says this. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And what he's speaking about, he's speaking about there was the Israelites and the Gentiles. What he's saying was, it no longer matters about Jew or Gentile, but he's going to make one flock watch. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus has come to gather all his sheep, and Jesus makes good on this, on this in John 10, at the cross of Calvary, he lays down his life, right? And then three days later, what happens? He resurrected, right? He's raised to new life. 
This is because what he wants to do, family, is that he wants to bring unity amongst all the people of God. You know, I've I, I visited a lot of different churches and a lot of different bodies, and, and, and people have, they use the language of brother and sister, but yet there is no depth to that. And I know I've been guilty of not establishing relationships with the people that I would like to. But if we truly believe what Jesus is saying and what Jesus has come to do to make us one flock, then what that will lead us to do is to be unified, to see each other as brothers and sisters and not just say, hey, bro, hey, sis, what's up? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Right, the terminology, just saying it without the relationship there, right? See, Jesus came so we could have that relationship with one another. Because you know, you know, you know, if when you look at the gospel, you look at all these people that would never be together in a one room. You got a guy who's a terrorist, you got a guy who's extorting people all the time. You have broken people that are come, that come together to follow Jesus. I can guarantee you that some of these, some of, some of y'all in this room, we would never touch base had it not been for the gospel. We would not have a relationship had it not been for the gospel. But if those disciples live life together in community with one another, family, I, I have to break the news to you. The person next to you, if they're a follower of Jesus, if you don't like them, uh, let me remind you that Christ died for them like he died for you. Amen. Second point is that you're going to be with them for all eternity. So you can either stop liking them now, get to know them now, or, you know, when you get up there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We're family. But let's, let's make that word real. Let it not just be words that I speak on Sunday, but in 2017, we failed at doing that. I can tell you that I failed as establishing relationships in 2017 with some of the people here. But 2018, what I want to do is I want to make that different. I want to be more intentional about creating relationships, that unity that Christ came for. Because at the end of the day, we're all one in Christ. Just because I'm, I always say, I'm your brother before I'm, I'm some preacher here. I'm just a brother in Christ. That's it. I'm broken just like you guys. I struggle just like you, you guys struggle. There's nothing special about me. We're all one in Christ. That's why Christ has come to make us people. And I love what Christ says in John 12, 32. He says, and when I, when I am lifted up from the earth, that's when he was on the cross of Calvary, will draw all people to myself. When we go, family, in everyday life and we share the good news of Jesus, like you saw the sheep come, what the Holy Spirit does, he brings in people like that. When you share God's goodness and you glorify God saying, man, God is the one that did this in my life. God is the one that rescued me. When you bring glory to God and you have an opportunity to share the gospel, what you're doing is you're pointing to Jesus. And what Jesus does through his Holy Spirit, he draws people in. So many times people tell me, man, Brother Howard, you can go talk to anybody. 
And he can go share the gospel with anybody because he knows about the gospel. And I say to them all the time, all you need is the Holy Spirit, bro. Or sis, there's nothing special about me. We have everything. The counselor that gives us words. If we truly believe in Jesus, then let our hearts be, be so warm that we have, let it be so warm and, so, and, and just kindled with fire to know that we have this truth, but to share this truth with people that we know and love with strangers. And so I ask these questions. Does your life bear witness that you are a sheep of God? Can others see that you love and follow Jesus or do we blend in with the world? I'm going to tell you all something, family. If you answer no to these questions, there's hope. There's mercy. There's grace. I love what the scriptures say that today if you hear God's voice calling you, that today you can turn to him and he won't cast you away. Man, I was at the broken part of my life at the bottom of the barrel, and I had no hope. And you know what? That's when God delivered me. Not when I had it together, but when I had no strength to pick myself up. So I'll tell y'all, family, you find yourself not knowing what to do, call upon the Lord. He will grant you his relationship with him. My next point is that we have a promised hope of glory. Why Jesus come to make us his people is because he gives us a promise of glory. This world that we live in is temporary. And I can guarantee that every one of us in this room will die. Every one of us. Man, we can't escape it, man. We can't escape it. You know, I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm just gonna take, I'm gonna take a moment just to say something. You know, I'm, I'm gonna tell you what I don't like about the holidays. What I don't like about the holidays is that it's a reminder to me of the people that we do. And that, that always gets me really emotional. Because I think about, man, the people that I really love, that I miss, like my grandma, I think about my cousin, I think about my friends, and how painful it would be if they had no hope after this life. But when we can rest our hope upon Christ, this is what he says about death. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. When we hold on to that promised hope of glory, we know that when we leave this world and a twinkle of an eye, will be before God's throne. That all our sins, though they be crimson red, he will make us white as snow. And to know that we've been bought, to know we can stand before his presence, not as slaves, but as sons and daughters. We have a promised hope, a promised glory. So with 2017 closing, let us not look to ourselves in 2018 and think about how we can be better people and look to ourselves for self-improvement. 
what I challenge us to do is to look to whose we are, who God has already called you, what he's already done in your life. And if you're in sin today and you're, and you're still stuck in it, man, turn away today. God's mercies are new every single day. You can have a fresh new beginning tomorrow. That's not my word. That's God's word. His promise. For me, that brings me hope because, man, I'm a broken person. So I'll leave us with these three application points. Number one, 2018, we're starting today. Let's live a crucified life. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The, not, the, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let that be so true and real and ask the Lord to, 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 to mend your heart, to believe that, to, to, to saturate your heart with that truth. Let it marinate in your heart like some fajitas, as my brother always says, man. Let it marinate in your heart that God loved you and gave himself for you when you were broken. When he had nothing to blame, that's when he died for you. You know what kind of love that is? It's easy to love people when they love you, right? It's easy when people tell you, thank you. But man, you go to that one place and people treat you bad, and they, and they give you that look, you're like, man, this dude, really? Like, after what I did for you? That's why you want to treat me? That's not how that is. You remind me. He died for us. We're broken. Honor God in good works that you do. When an opportunity presents itself and people ask, why do you believe what you believe in? Or why do you do the good things that you do? Let that be a moment to share the goodness of God. Because Jesus produces a passion in us to do good works. So when that happens, Man, just glorify God. Now, let me tell you why I do what I do. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of salvation unto man. You are God's vessel. You have been purchased. You have been bought. You are precious in God's eyes. You're not just people. You're his people. You're his possession. Purchased by his precious blood. Share the gospel. Share Jesus. That's it. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. Share the hope. Let's go and close the prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you, Father, for this day you've given us, Lord. And as our hearts are reminded this day, Lord God, of your goodness, Lord. As we're reminded, Lord, of the hope of glory that you promised us. Lord, as, as you reminding us today, Lord God, that we're not our own, but we have been bought. We've been purchased. That you produce the good works in our hearts to serve you, to make much of your name, to renounce the things of this world, the, the worldly passion, the ungodliness, Lord. We cannot do it on our own, Lord. So we ask of you, in the name of Christ Jesus, Lord, lead us to repentance, Lord, to turn away from the things that pull us away from you. Like those voices calling those sheep, so are the things of this world. Let our hearts hear the true shepherd's voice. Let our hearts turn to you this day. 
and pursue you this day, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for gathering us, Lord, when we had no hope, no future. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us before the foundations of the world. Thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us to see your glory through your son Jesus on the cross, making a way for us broken people. Do not have to try, that do not need to try to earn our way towards you, but you earning our right standing with you, paying our debt, living the life that we cannot live for us so that we can be right with you. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. As in Christ's name we pray. Amen.